Hello. This week, John and I wrap up our first season as we jump forward into the neon-drenched 1980s, where Jallo meets Slasher in Michelet Suave's Stage Fright, aka Deliria. It's going to be stabby. Maniac is hiding in here. You gone out of your mind. One, kill her. Kill her. So what are we going to do now? We've got to find the key. This week, our discussion touches on gendered violence and problematic gender stereotypes. We might as well start now with uh, with <laughs> stage fright, and you really have saved the worst till last, haven't you? <laughs> you, you weren't a fan then. I, I, I was, I was not, uh, oh and it started really interestingly with, well. That's a bit crap. That's a bit theatrical. And then just before it happened, I was like, that's a bit theatrical. It's called stage. Oh, <laughs> I'm watch. I'm and, you know, I'm watching springtime for Hitler. I'm watching something. Equally <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching a song and dance number about a murderer and rapist. Which looks Indeed. like it's gonna it's gonna go in particularly dark ways because like the uh, our obviously um, stereotypically bastard director is talking about how it's he's going to invert invert um expectations or subvert expectations rather by having uh the the i suppose murder victim rape her killer now that might seem to try and be empowering uh, that seems that seems deeply deeply problematic to me if that's if that's the potential resolution of this being a good thing i don't whether that, that she cheeks up how she's going to rape him that doesn't really that doesn't really get developed um but nevertheless um <laughs> thank, thank through thank, through dance through through the, through the medium of dance yes there's a the, the, to be honest I, I didn't feel entirely consensual in my viewing of this of this film there was some <laughs> level of violation um as, as as well um so I found the start interesting um I found the the killers uh the the motif of the killer with the the thing that the killer wears the the owl costume it's never described why both in the both in the play with the for the the, the musical within the film mm. and that the, the the killer wears an owl costume or an owl an owl mask mm. but the moment he's got it on you so you you do sort of guess well i i can see where this is this is going to go uh, which is which is a bit obvious. However, I like the idea if there's a legitimate but reason why they're all trapped in a in a very small space. Yeah, it leads to wider problems with within within this production space about what there's no there are no windows you could smash <laughs> on the ground floor. There's there's no there's no fire escape. But you know that's that's stu- all the stuff that can be left at the door when you watch any any number of horrors. Yeah. So I, I liked the idea of the lock. They're all they're all trapped uh, within. Um, but a number of decisions, which I'll, I'll perhaps ask you for clarification on, uh, left me very cold. And it isn't often a ninety, a ninety-minute horror film drags, but this was very. <laughs> I, I found 
very flat. Um, right. inter- interesting number of characters. You could probably guess if anyone's going to survive, who it, who it's going to be. Mm. And the other characters are set up either to be vacuous, irritating, have just enough um, of a intre- of a, an attempt at a backstory to to, mm. to to know that their their killing will be all the more poignant for, for it. Oh, I'm looking at you, pregnant woman. Um, <laughs> And you know, in and 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 enough of um, hateful, hateful members of the cast that you're probably going to enjoy. Mm. Um, however, it's very flat, and the music, uh, as in the the non um, diegetic music, the diegetic music when when um, the killer puts the slightly bombastic soundtrack on works quite well. And, mm. and another thing I liked was the was the tableau that he creates at the end with the, the victims on, on stage. Mm-hmm. It's really unfortunate and they really should have reshot the bit where the feather hits the guy in the face and he blinks twice, but let's, <laughs> let's, let, let's, let's let that go. However, the action sequences are very flat. The high-energy 80s soundtrack doesn't doesn't work. And my God, if you, they, are, they really undersell a woman being ripped in half and you don't... And it, it, it that should be full of impact, and it isn't. A bloke is chainsawed to death, and it's really boring. And I've, I've never sat through a boring chainsaw death. Um, I quite liked the the bloke being drilled through the door. Mm. Oh, that sounds that sounds. I mean, that's literally, by the way, that's. that's a, um, but overall, uh, it was I thought um, flat. Uh, and that was mm. and, and, and that was a shame. I might have enjoyed it if I'd have been drunk and watching it in NFT three uh, at half nine. Um, that might have been quite that might have been quite fun. But mm. uh, watching it on, on my laptop in Dunno and thinking I wish I had some booze uh, while <laughs> while going through this. So that was my overall impression. And, and in terms of plot, that will be that will be very quick. I think I've I've, I've described it. There's a, a company of very crap actors. Making a musical about a serial killer and rapist. Um, one of the company, our, our leading lady, in more ways than one, uh, has injured her ankle and goes to a, goes to a psychiatric hospital because they, they don't know it's not a normal hospital. Uh, to yes, try I love, get... I love the side character who says, <laughs> "Well, they still have doctors, though." It does, yes. Um, it's... Also, it's just, it, you've sprained your ankle and have you fucking broken it? You're not going to a hospital. Certainly not in America. Um, <laughs> we'll come on to where exactly we are later. I know it's meant to be New York, but you know, yes. there's there's New York Italians, but there's a lot there's a lot of Italian Italians yeah. <laughs> from, what, from what, I can, what I can see. Anyway, a fairly low max security psychiatric hospital, and in there is a serial killer who there isn't a huge amount of security on him, and civilians could just sort of wander up to the bars of his cell and would you know somehow he he, he escapes uh, and kills one of the cast or oh, sorry kills one of the crew i think she's a she's a, she's backstage isn't she the first yeah the, she's the, the, the wardrobe the, 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 mistress wardrobe, um and when they their body is discovered and the as we're coming towards yellow our ineffectual police say don't worry we'll we'll comb the area it's just a matter of time till we get him the director uh, has a fun idea to the to the finance backer that they open it early and use the death of uh, and they rather overplay the, the the murder of one of the cast they say it's one of, one of the actors and they'll use this as a publicity stunt and then they have rehearsals which is you know questionable because no one 
no, this is a, this is a world where PTSD doesn't does, doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, so we so they go into extra rehearsal, and he tells one of the cast members to lock the door and hide the key. And at that moment, you're dead, <laughs> and she's the, about the first or second victim, and no cunt can find the key. They can't get out of the only fucking door to the entire building. 80s New York fire and safety regulation is not all that it all, all, yeah. all, well, all, all that it might be. Well, they have the big kind of roll away door for I assume getting scenery in and out, but yeah. that appears to be locked. That doesn't appear to be able to be opened from either side. Which is yeah, that's I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. But but yeah. there there is the exit that uh, yes, the key has been hidden, and I, I I rather like that conceit actually that the. The yeah. first person to kind of be murdered is the person, the only person who knows where the key is gone. Yes, that's um, is 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 that a reference to the only the only exit from this film is the door, and only I have the key somewhere in a, there's oh a, maybe there's, yeah, there's a <laughs> there's, there's a Jalo title in there in, in there somewhere. Yeah, well, so, you know, Michelet Suave was an acolyte of Dario Argento, so maybe there's something which is there. which is a nice lead into. You're going to tell me why the hell I'm watching this crap. <laughs> Um, so I picked this one. Well, one, because I quite like it. <laughs> Though I think I have a significantly higher tolerance for crappy slasher movies than you do, in that I have a tolerance at all. And um, so so what I thought was interesting about this is it kind of represents the the sort of morphing of the Jello into the slasher. Um, and the kind of crossover between those two things. Are we saying there's a there is a, a definite a definite line between? Oh, very much so. And then so if we're talking sort of early slashes, I mean this is what eighty seven, so it's yeah. an established. Yeah. I mean before Halloween, are we talking that people like John Carpenter and his and his ilk would would have taken influence from from from, from Jello? I, I think I think definitely. Um, so John Carpenter, I don't know because he he's can, you know can be quite taciturn. I mean, his his big influence of um, obviously is Howard Hawks, and, and you know he's, he was very much into those kind of closed space sort of westerns and things that influence yeah. and, and things like the thing from another world, which obviously influenced you know his obviously obviously the thing, but also stuff like Halloween and the Fog mm. and Assault on Precinct Thirteen. He's also quite influenced by, um, by, by Nigel Neal, but that's a that's a yes, of course. Movie. Halloween three represent, um, but <laughs> Mark, Martin Quatermass is his is his nom de guerre when he wrote um, Prince of Darkness. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the later, well, actually, not even the later jelly, but if you look at something like Bay of Blood, uh, Mario Barber's Bay, Bay of Blood, which was nineteen seventy one. If you watch that film and then watch the first couple of Friday the 13th movies, you'll kind of see where Sean Cunningham like literally nicked every death from um, and right, okay. nicked the setting from, you know, mm. the sort of, uh, I mean, it's not a, it's not a summer camp, but it is, you know, a bunch of um, horny young people, you know, sort of topless swimming in a lake and someone with a large knife starts picking them off. Then you get in 73, you get Torso, which is our, our pal uh, Sergio Martino, which and on the whole, I mean, it's, it, it's not. I don't think it's one of his better films. But like the last half hour is basically, you know, it's someone killing people with a chainsaw. Um, where, where did that come from? Um, and the last half hour is just this kind of tour de force of like a, a, a girl hiding in a house being stalked by the killer. Um, so definitely 
parts of that are kind of influencing and you know they're obviously the slasher movie is one of those it's like well what was the first one you you can get in you you know that's a whole other podcast obviously you've got things like black christmas you can go back to psycho you know you've got any number of kind of precedents mm-hmm. um before you get to it kind of being codified by halloween and then sean cunningham watching halloween and not understanding it and making friday the 13th um <laughs> But but what's interesting then is you obviously you get and also you know even predating that you get things like Texas Chainsaw and and then you have that kind of slasher boom in the states, which then kind of feeds back into what Italian directors are doing. So you get this sort of slightly weird hybrid of of jelly that are influenced by slashers, you know, and and quite often what they'll do is then set them in the states. Now, some of it, you know, obviously is Italy pretending, you know, flexing hard to pretend it's New York. But a lot of stuff actually is shot in New York. So stuff like New York Ripper, um, which is Fortune in 82. Um, and then um, <laughs> he made a film, his subsequent kind of jello was a film called Murder Rock, which is kind of what if Flashdance was a jello. Um, it's not cool. Um, uh, it's even worse than this, is it? Is that is that actually a musical? actually a musical? It's not a musical. It's okay. basically a, a, a sort of a aerobic studio. I see. Um, right. Okay. Of I mean, of the the kind of three aerobics theme slasher movies, which is um, <laughs> Murder Rock, Death Spa, and I'm blanking on the other one. That's probably the best, but that does there's the very small, you know, it's a very low bar to clear. Yeah, and and then stuff, you know, then you get kind of Italian exploitation directors making kind of straight up slashes like Ruggiero Diodato makes like Body Count, and then you get like uh, Bruno Mattei and Claudio Fragasso who are kind of tied as the worst Italian genre directors making a film called Night Killer which is sort of a rip-off of Nightmare on Elm Street, but was actually released in a couple of territories as Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 before they got sued. Good Lord. So, because that, that's the thing, when, when the Italian film industry isn't doing well, uh, essentially what they start doing is making cheap knockoffs of whatever Hollywood's doing. Um, so in the 70s, that's, you know, killer shark movies and Star Wars on a budget of, a you know... Ham, the, the Leary you found down the back of the sofa and then in the 80s it's post-apocalyptic you know Mad Max knockoffs and, and kind of slasher movies and um, Ra- Rambo knockoffs done you know on, on a budget of about five quid so but the reason I like this one is because uh, or the reason I kind of picked this one is because I think it has certainly a lot of things that you would say well that's straight out of the slasher movie um, mm-hmm. for example the killer is a psycho there's no real reason why he's you know he's introduced to the story to be the killer mm. um he's already and, a killer before the yeah story he's already starts. a killer yeah, yeah. it's never really you know there's never any question that it's him um so that i mean that's a very although the that that's sort of, a sort of maybe a slightly later slasher thing because there were certainly early one early ones i guess kind of late 70s early 80s what i tend to think of as like the kind of scooby-doo slasher where they don't really know who the killer is and the resolution is them kind of unmasking who it might be. But then, you know, as the, as the kind of the more franchise ones and the later ones, it, that doesn't matter. It's just, it's a killer. Um, it, it's just like an antagonist. It's a, it's, a, it's a plot device more than a person. Oh, yeah. Um, so this, sorry, go on. No, no. But the, yeah, the idea is that they're trapped, and how when will they get out, and who will survive? Hmm. Uh, and the, what will be left of them? As the famous as, tagline, as tagline to 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yes. Uh, yeah, there's there is a bit where um, the the last victim, uh, not include not including the killer, uh, survives the initial attack, and it looks. I mean, she just seems to get a single blow of a of a chainsaw, which you know depend. I've, I've never really thought. I mean, I'm not an expert on glancing blows from chainsaws and the ensuing damage, but <laughs> it it looks a lot worse when you see it the second time. Yes, i.e. I, when they've had t- a time to put a lot of prosthetic on her or makeup on her. <laughs> Indeed. She's a, all I can see is a bit of tit the first time. Uh, she's presumably not accidental. Uh, and then when, when you find her later in the shower, uh, she's uh, she looks a lot more mutilated. And then she gets killed, and it's just like, oh, yeah. that was particularly unpleasant. But yeah, the killer itself doesn't really matter. It's, the, it's, it's an antagonist that you've mm. got to escape from. Uh, in terms of cast, um, I didn't know who anyone was, so I'll, I'll, I'll put it there. Um, <laughs> the the is it is it the is the the, the director uh, is he Peter is he Brit? Yes, David Brandon. Yeah, um, yeah. He, from what I gather, he was much more of a stage actor certainly early in his career, and he only really kind of did film work. He went to Italy and did some movies i think he still works primarily in the theater and i think he's sort of more behind the scenes now but um yeah he's in a few things around this time um this is probably like if you want to say like his signature role okay because he is i mean he is he is a memorable git um oh yeah 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 you, i mean you, you know he's gonna get a good death yes because yeah because he's an arsehole um mm. i think he sort of throws one of the one of the girls towards one of the killers into sort of buy time indeed um and then he dies. He dies very well. In the, uh, um, he gets his arm. He's, he's wielding an axe, but he gets his arm chopped off, and then the power runs out. Uh, which you know, and then he tries to pick. He tries to pick up the axe with his other arm, but then the killer gets the axe first and, and chops his head off quite quite mm. easily. I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good death. He gets some. He get he, he gets some fun. Yes, there. it's quite inventive in terms of yeah. the, uh, the the ways in which people are dispatched. But it's still a bit flat. It's still a bit flat. <laughs> It's still, there's no like, there's no real tension in like him appearing. There, there isn't really that much in the way of. Um, I counted about two or three sort of uh, jump scares that don't. They don't like hands appearing, uh, like from you know, from the floor to grab someone. It's, it's done quite slowly. Uh, it's. I mean, I mean, the 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 director is was. You said he was a prodigy of uh, of, of Argento. So he, yes, Michel Suave. Oh, is he the guy that did the church? He is indeed the guy that did the church. That was his film immediately after this one. Ah, okay. I have I have opinions on the church. Uh, <laughs> well, we should talk about him more because I think he yes. has a really interesting filmography. Okay, so so tell me, this is, and is this his first film? Um, it's his, as, as it's his first, uh, yeah. So it's his first kind of not fi- sort of narrative feature, basically. So he'd been. Um, he'd gone into the film industry uh, initially as an actor, and then the kind of films he was working on, he tended to play kind of bit parts. And then someone said to him, "Do you want to assistant direct this?" And he said, "Yeah, all right." Um, and that kind of became his sort of stock in trade. So he would work behind the camera as a first or second assistant director, and normally have like a small role in the movie as well. One of the producers or kind of the the company that put this out was Filmarage. Uh, which was run by uh, the the infamous, notorious Italian exploitation director uh, Joe D'Amato and partner George Eastman, who you know again famous for some a lot of video nasties, put it that way. Um, Same. And 
uh, so he'd worked with them. They kind of brought him to the attention of Argento. He worked uh, with Argento on um, a, a number of films as an assistant director and um, as an actor. So he's he's kind of memorably the guy in the weird sort of half metal mask in um, Demons, which was uh, written by Argento and uh, directed by Lamberto Barber, Mario Barber's son. I think I've uh, seen that. Where's Rosemary? Um, yes, is they, exactly. They're in a cinema. They are indeed in a cinema, yes. And she turns into a dog while they're in the ducting. Uh, yes, that yes. sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that <laughs> the famous backburster? Is that the film, or maybe it's a sequel? I think I've seen Demons Two as well, which mm. sort of predates the pure terror of um, Ring by something coming out, an image on the telly coming out of a telly. Yes, Dem- Demons Two is in an apartment That's... block where the film is playing on the TV, and that turns everyone into demons. Brilliant. I, I remember thinking that that was you know power to it for taking something before. Uh, mm. something for uh, Carter did, but uh, the, the effects are, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's optimistic. That, 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 I mean, that, Demons 2 has a very unfortunate little sort of Gremlins inspired homunculus, which does not work at all. Demons 1, I like, I like quite a bit. Right. Um, anyway, so, so he's, yeah, our director and, uh, is in this. Yeah. And then he, having worked with Argento, he actually directed a, um, documentary about Argento from around 85, 86, I think, called uh, Dario Argento's World of Horror. Mm-hmm. Um, before they sort of moving on to this, this is his, his first feature, which he also does have a small part in because he plays the younger of the two uh, cops in the who are sitting in the car outside for the entire movie, doing nothing while everyone gets killed inside. Um, so he uh, he does crop up. If you, ever, if you did not know what Michel A. Suave looks like, that's what he looks like. Um, the one who said he th- thinks he looks a bit like James Dean. That's him. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> and um, yeah, he, he doesn't sound very doesn't sound very Bronx to, to, to me. No, it's one of those films where they, they did actually uh, shoot this sync sound, so a lot of the actors are using their own. Oh, yeah. sorry, I should say the in, the the primarily English speaking actors. Uh, like David Brandon and uh, Mickey Knox, who plays the old cop, um, are yes. speaking in a, a live sound that's been recorded, but then most of the rest of the cast who are Italian are, are dubbed. Um, so you do get a slight a slight disconnect uh, when different characters are talking. It's one of those f- uh, films, you know, a lot of Italian films from later on um, are actually shot with the English market, English-speaking market primarily in mind, so they right. don't really necessarily have, like... The, the dub versus subtitle thing um mm. you're really only going to get the english track so um which works because i mean everyone is is kind of trying to speak english you can see that the mouth movements are them potentially speaking english but they've been dubbed so that they don't have kind of heavy accents i guess yeah um so yeah so so suave um yeah he made this um and then he collaborated with uh argento on two movies so he made the church after this one uh, which we can circle back to. And then after that, he made a film called The Sect, which is... Um, see, the, so The Church, I have a slightly nostalgic fondness, even though it's not very good, mm-hmm. um, because it's one, I think it's one of the earliest Euro horror DVDs that I imported back when that was a thing, like sort of the early 2000s when you could, you know, first get 
movies online and and play them on your multi-region player that's one of the earliest ones that i had and it had you know dario argento's name plastered all over it even though he sort of didn't direct it and so so i have a as i said i have a certain nostalgic fondness for it but i don't think it's terribly good um the, the film he made after that is uh, the sect i actually quite i quite like it seems to have a fairly poor reputation amongst horror fans like the church seems to be the more highly regarded of the two but i like the sect i think it's completely bonkers um and even the church, if, the church is fairly bonkers yes indeed but, but i mean the sect you know the, the the main threat for much of the movie is basically a killer handkerchief <laughs> but but I, I quite I think it works quite effectively, and then he sort of had a watch that. yes, he had a bit of a not 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 like a falling out with Argento I don't think, but I think he sort of not, neither of those films were quite what he'd intended. I think you can tell he has quite a warped and and quite an unusual sense of humour because sort of left to his own devices, the film he made after that is Della Morte Della More, aka Cemetery Man aka zombie graveyard depending on where you're watching it and that feel that film is fucking batshit but it's right. also amazing fair enough now the, the church i also ha- i have a nostalgia for even though i saw it um much later but it was one of those films that was in the horror section of my local video shop uh, and like you remember um panos cosmatos the guy the guy mm. who did the guy yeah. who did mandy and he said like you know when he He'd sort of he made a film that is always in his head from just what from just looking at the the the, the cover art of mm. video box of the, of the video boxes, uh, mm. and that's that's how that's how he made Mandy, which explains a lot. But this I would I was obsessed <laughs> with every time I went there to get to get a, a film about looking at, and, I, and I, since I was eight uh, I had a, I had a bad history with with horror. I, I saw Poltergeist when I was eight, uh, which is. Um, now you watch Poltergeist, it's like it's really Spielbergy, mm, um, unsurpri- yes. unsurprisingly. Um, but you know, at eight, that was the most terrifying thing, and I couldn't, and that turned me off horror for a long, long time mm. uh, until I got brought back at uni. But I used to like stare in fascination at the cover art to the video of the church, which is the head made out of bodies that comes out of, you know, and I and I remember. I forgot about it, and years later I found it on. It was like a Prime or something. I and I was like, that, that's that. And it had different cover art. And I was mm. like, and then I was looking at images through it while I just tried to find a, find a film. And I found it again because uh, it was on a list of adaptations of M.R. James. And I was like, I mean, that's mm-mm-mm. okay. The middle bit <laughs> of the what passes for a plot in some, which is where the plot. Okay, the middle bit of. Where the, a plot normally goes in a film, yeah, um, is is quite similar to the Treasure of Abbot Thomas by M. R. James. And okay, yeah, I guess, yep, yep. Where where they work out the the code to get to 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 get something open. Also, you don't often outside of outside of M. R. James, you don't often see characters that are called Sacristan. Yes, uh, and it was, yeah. So, it's, but that's and I, was, and I saw the images from. I go, oh, that's that film. I remember from my childhood, so I watched it, and it's yeah. Um, I I'm quite forgiving of it for all those reasons, and sure. it's a really really brave film that does 
I mean, Hitchcock rewrites the rules in terms of film narrative and mm. inf- infamously where you follow a character to a certain point and then they and they die and you're that, that you're, you're genuinely not expecting that mm. um, and how and how it plays with and how he plays with expectations. But you know, the fun for that is that it's you know it's fifteen it's only you know, f- opening fifteen minutes or so of mm. of, of Psycho mm. um, before you're into the main bit, but. The focus of the church uh, until the person kills themselves, and then you realise that that Hugh Quashie is the main is the hero, even yeah. though for the last hour he's done nothing but just appear yeah. in the background until, a bit un, until he isn't, and then it's Arzio Argento, and then and then he isn't for afterwards. And you're as well. This is that you've no idea character wise what you want, what you want yeah. to do it to do it to do with this film. This like there, there is something really effective here, and there's a really epic story to be told here. But fuck it, give it to a script doctor, give it to someone to just say <laughs> you need to rework this. Yeah, um, what the, yeah. The, that to me is because one of the things that the church has in spades is like wild visuals like holy shit did i just see that you know from the 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 guy who you initially think is the main character sort of turning into a demon and seducing you know sort of dragging someone off naked who is then fine until a bit later when she gets hit by a train to as you say the giant face coming out of the um floor made made of of dead dead people to what we briefly think is the main character having sex with animatronic Satan to um Oh you know, the, yes. The, oh the, I forgot the, yeah, yeah, the, that's 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 a powerful image. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to you know, finding the giant cross in, in the crypt and when it kind of falls away, there's like this vast subterranean sea briefly, yeah. uh that then isn't there anymore. Um, you know, so 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 Avi's got this real eye for like a crazy visual that persists, I think, through all of his films, because as I said, you know, killer handkerchief. Um, and that's not even the nuttiest thing that's in the sect. Um, and then De La Morte De La More is just a complete head fuck. So that's basically about a guy who lives in a cemetery where the dead come back to life. And he's not really sure if it's just a localized thing to his cemetery or it's all cemeteries. Um, but because his job is looking after the cemetery, he sort of takes it as part of his, you know, duties to kill the zombies when they come back and not really say anything. And that's kind of the jumping off point for the the plot. It is bananas. If anyone hasn't seen it, you 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 you're going to love it or hate it. You're not going to forget it. Um, but I I highly recommend that one. And I think even here, I mean, you know, the, the, as we kind of discussed, like the plot is minimal. That there is about as much plot as you need to hang on. Like a, it's a theater with a guy with a serial killer dressed as an owl. Um, oh yeah, no, I've I've no, I've no problem with the thin plot of being. You know, it's a, it's a simple story of people trapped in a situation. They're trapped in an enclosed space with a with a serial killer, mm. and he's going to kill them all. Yeah. Uh, and they've got and they've got and they've got to try and escape. My problem with it is it feels really flat. It isn't right. particularly tense. And he has a couple of set piece moments, and which is why I'm interested to see where he did the church, which is visually arresting, uh, if nothing else, um, where it fall, it falls a bit flat. And I thought, you know, you know if you compare, you know, like the woman gets like the most famous scene in Day of the uh, in um, uh, Day of the Dead, you know, is like you've got a person quite quickly ripped in half by mm. competing forces trying to drag her in diff- in different directions. Um, it doesn't. It's quick. It's underplayed. Yes. It's a bit and, like, oh, okay, that yeah. that happened. 
there's no there's no real scream she does submit though it does uh, set up the bit later on where as you say the killer arranges them all in a tableau and the cat yeah. starts eating her which i thought was quite funny. That, that that's quite nice but you still could have done a much better death scene for her mm. and still have there the cat eating bits of her intestines <laughs> indeed yeah. that cat yeah the, the cat pays no real but that's 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 the most agency the cat has in it and that's quite that's 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 quite funny i mean he um, also gets to be a spring a literal spring-loaded cat because you know that's always the joke about the shocks in in horror movies like the cat jumps out and in yeah. this one the, the literal cat literally jumps out yeah <laughs> One of the things I think is inter- interesting about this is so th- there's a pretty long tradition of mo- sort of horror movies set around theatres. Obviously, going back to like Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. and there are you know if you look on IMDb, there are ten different movies called Stage Fright. Um, there is actually an Australian slasher movie from 1980 that's more commonly known as Nightmare, but was came out in some territories as Stage Fright. And if you think this is bad, um, oh boy. Uh, that is that is truly appalling. But one of the things that I've noticed about having seen quite a few of these, um, you know, because there are a couple of Jallo ones. Obviously, um, Argento's opera is is sort of fairly well, uh, sort of 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 the the films of this type of this era is probably you know the the, the standout. But there's something like uh, there's one called The Killer Reserve Nine Seats, which is quite fun. Um, <laughs> it's me and NFT one. <laughs> Um, and you get like something like Pete Walker's, you know, Flesh and Blood show. And certainly in the the latter ones, whenever you kind of get that, it's set in a it's set in a theatre. There's there's some something that compels the directors to sort of, oh, it's like some kind of contemporary dance show that even the characters kind of acknowledge is pretty shit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, they're, this is like they're, they're they're like none of them are particularly good. Like they're all like you know, it, and the director says like you know, I'm not doing great either. Like we yeah. all we all need this. H- hence, we cash in on a murder. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and yeah. to be honest, I've got, I've got some sympathy there. Mm. I used to. Uh, so my uh, my best friend from school um, went into uh, the theatre and. Uh, sort of behind the scenes, and the uh, the the various theatre people used to describe uh, contemporary dance as contemptible dance, mm. um, which I think is is justified, certainly in this. Yeah, there's a bit where they're, also they're not the fact they're not very good, and there's a bit where like the killer like grabs someone and they throw him, and there's like that, that throw her and they, they have the catcher in that sort of in that dance number. I moved around gesticulating because. No, even though no fucker can see me, brilliant. And then I thought, the, I thought the actor playing the 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 killer within the in the musical was gonna was gonna like do a spin or a dance. No, he just sort of jumps slightly ineffectually in the air and like, mm. you're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Why? We, I mean, it's like the only thing I thought they were going to go with it initially was like this is massively offensive. Like, you will not get a crossover audience for a for like slasher slash rape kit, uh, p- procedural horror hmm. with song and dance numbers. It's there's not a there's 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 they, they, I mean, well maybe to be honest, yeah, maybe you could. You never say never. But if they, it's not how they're fucking doing it. It's not how they. It's not. It's. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's 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 terrible, and that and they could have had fun with that, but they they don't, and they don't send it up. And there's a yeah, there's lots to it's to it to there's a lot going on that could be good, mm. but it's just lacking in 
I think it's just lacking, completely lacking, completely lacking intention in dynamics. It's not scary, uh, and it's it's not it's not particularly visceral. And I'm interested to see that clearly. Uh, sorry, got his eye in fairly rapidly after this with 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 what he wanted to do. But this just this mm. just feels flat. Mm. Um, just, as he commented on on how on on how he felt about on how he felt about this film. Michel A. Suave said about Stage Fright that he didn't feel ready to direct, but he said yes when he got offered the chance. Interesting. So, yeah, so maybe it, perhaps that plays into your uh, your, your yeah. feelings on the film. Yeah, perhaps he he probably maybe needed a, a more experienced hand nearby him mm. um, to just things. But anyway, I think it's interesting that I have you know various my shelf of many film books that this one features in both like my one of my Jello books and the one book I have on slasher films that it's clearly people feel it's that nexus of the two things because um, it is like there, there are, it's got enough weird shit in it that it sort of feels somewhat jello-y well i hope it feels somewhat jello-y as you maybe fucking watch it for a jello <laughs> podcast <laughs> so we're not doing a slasher podcast then is what you're telling me i'm getting that. look if you want to do it like if you want to do a slasher podcast and curate it properly to say this is interesting rather than, but you know, is there so, only so much stuff you can say about yeah. about about more more interesting slashes? I think we'll go with the second series of <laughs> of, of, of Jalo, just because I want to, I want to get back to the sixties and seventies. This, this one has good. this one has stabbing again. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see like it's like it's it's Jalo people doing a slasher. Yes, uh, as to that and um, but and I can see where that sort of the music not being quite to the taste of one two is not something that you know is rare in a slap in a in a in a shallow. It's just yeah. I take that to be um, it's 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 coming from a different place culturally. Mm. Uh, it's coming it's it's coming from the from the seventies. It's to as we as we've long since discussed in that how shallow films were viewed within Italy as in physically viewed mm. within Italy and and in the type of places they were seen and the needs of the filmmakers to communicate to them what the audience basically wanted in, mm. in that environment. That doesn't seem to be anywhere near the case here. Here it looks like we've moved, you know, we're like, you know, we're 15, we're 15 years later from sort of the earlier stuff we, we were looking at. Here we've moved to trying to make something actively for the American market. It was what it looks yeah, like. Absolutely. But, but it's, but it's failing um, mm. because there's still too much in the sensibility of, doing stuff uh in you know doing do, doing stuff that's you know would be culturally italian that can still be effective but they're trying to they're trying to beat the americans at their own game and failing that's what that's that's what we're, we're, we're get there and where possibly with uh with the church and i don't know with sect but you, you tell me where savari basically gets to do a bit more of his own thing, possibly, rather yeah. than play in somebody else's backyard. That's, that's probably true. I mean, the, the church in the sect, he's, he's kind of doing, I think, what Argento wants him to do. But I think right. he still has enough of his own weird visual sensibility and kind of slightly odd humour. Although Argento has that weird sense of humour through a lot of his films. Mm. Um, that that I think, yeah, they, they don't feel of a piece necessarily with, with even the weird shit Argento does when he puts his mind to it um mm, yeah, I can, I can, yeah but then they're difficult to come into it i just think mm. give give barber this film and it would have been much better so yes well not lamberto barber but if you go to mario barber, okay, Mar- okay i'll clarify so it's mario <laughs> barber yes yes um 
Yeah, we 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 have some Lamberto Barber coming up in season Do we? two. Good, good. Yes, I'm, ver- yeah. I'm very excited about Footprints on the Moon. That's what I've I've wanted to see for so long. <laughs> very, 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 very. Oh, well, that's coming your way. Actually, that, that might even be delivered to tomorrow. Wow. So there you go. Um, yes, I did. The, one of my notes I want to mention, I, you were talking about the location. And I think yes, this this is, I mean, I think this is a function of, of the fact that they are not shooting in the States. Um, <laughs> very much not. Um, but also, I mean, you know, this, this, you know it, it's like, what locations do we have? Because, you know, essentially, and, and I think they kind of like a theater based horror works quite well because you just need one location right and you know a theater is generally pretty big so you can you can you know make a lot of of basically a single building and a theater not in use is not going to be you're not going to be anyone's way that kind of thing um but yes i did uh make a note of kind of off 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 broadway so far (laughs) off you're in the middle of a forest um yeah because I mean, they literally I, appear to be no no other buildings around them i took it i it's i didn't think it was a theater i thought it was like basically a production company's rehearsal like a, space yeah possibly yeah, yeah. performance space or something yeah. that would explain why it doesn't have but it does have it, it does have an auditorium it's not got seats it's not got fixed seats has uh, it? i think i i thought it did but maybe i thought it had unfixed it's primarily to the stage yeah maybe you're yeah. right I thought it was just basically rehearsal stage because then there's that for mm. some reason. Yes, that's probably right. reason. Then it's at the back. There's um, there's a there's a faux 18th century carriage, uh, which come people come. Oh with, yes, come with a snoggy in, which is just presumably there to give it some visual interest, which sort of felt a bit forced. But hey, you mm. go with what you're given. Um, but I just took it to be a, sort of a production company's rehearsal space. Um, yes, that's pre- actually yes, that probably makes a lot more sense actually because there is a bit where. They're wandering around back, and there's something that says something like stage four, and it's like, why is there more than one stage? But yeah. actually, that makes sense if it's more of a rehearsal. Um, yeah, rehearsal and because and thing. then they they go into the theatre that they've hired for the a day sta- a day's dress rehearsal, and then sure because the, they're. Well, I'm explaining the plot of stage fright to you, to you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all makes sense now. <laughs> it's brilliant film. Now. It's what it's doing is an, 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 an indictment of small-time productions. Yeah. And the small, other thing to small companies. In the the other thing about the kind of stylistic changes, of course, like between uh, what did we watch last time? So last time we watched, we were in seventy-eight. Um, oh yeah, we've jo- gone with pajama we've, we've Okay, so we jumped ahead. Years. Yeah, 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 nine years. And in the interim, you've had MTV. So, right, you know, yes, it, lots, lots of certainly lots of Hollywood movies, but you know, other other uh, territories that are trying to ape Hollywood movies are, are you know taking on that aesthetic. I mean, that's definitely true of of like Fulci's Murder Rock is you know literally flash dance with stabbing. So yeah, I think that kind of informs a lot of the the way it looks. Yep, I can see, I can um, see that. Yeah, the and, MTV and, generation has had something. Yeah. Mm. Not and not even necessarily a video, but in the the aesthetics of MTV, yes. the the animations, the, mm. yeah, the that's yeah, I can I, I I can see that again. I think it's something that, that's trying to recreate something that may not be fully understood, mm. um, but it's but that at least I think that gives it that that gives a better context than than I that, that I might have that, that I might have seen it. Uh, certainly in terms of the, the some of the some of the musical choices. Yes, and it yeah, it, it's I mean, hey, it's 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 a slasher movie where a guy has an owl head. See, that's that, but that that's that's quite memorable. I mean, is it? It's not. Yes. It's it's not a William Shatner mask painted grey, um, because it has the the the, the, the human vein. But you know, it's it's something 
or the or an ice hockey mask or something. It's it's mm. again it's it, I I don't mind it, but it's because you can see what they're they're, they're they're trying. And also, you know, you have the you have the thing where you can then hide in plain sight because they think you're they think you're the actor that's wearing that's wearing the owl head. But of course, again, I mean that that yes, the the inevitable yeah. scene where the the actor who plays the killer is dispatched because they think he's now the plays the killer in the play is killed by the cast because they think he's the killer who's the killer and of course he isn't he's just you know been tied up and knocked out and what have you um and then gets killed by pretty much well near enough killed by the by the director yeah and i think that was you know the minute you kind of have the killer walking on stage in in the costume and and actually dispatching someone in the middle of the production as the you know the director's yelling because he's not doing it quick enough yeah um when, yeah, the, the annoyance good. when he produces the knife. Where did you get the knife from? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. they realise, but they're all frozen in horror, not quite yeah. believing what they're watching. That's quite good. Yes, um, yeah. That that, that whole. I, I think that sequence is, as I said, yeah, I think it's that, really clever. That, se- that sequence is that sequence is good. There's 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 enough good stuff in there that with a better director and with mm. with a bit more dynamism, um, something. Well, I mean, this is I believe. I know it's been shown, say, at the BFI during its horror horror vision slot. Mm. So you know it, it has a it, it has it has a cult meaning. I just found it it was a bit too flat, a bit too flat, for, yeah. a bit flat flat for my taste. I mean, you know, they they showed Slumber Party Massacre uh, was shown at the BFI, so I don't think we can be you know, um, you know, th- th- this is better than the Slumber Party Massacre, which is you know the the slasher film where the killer is a bloke just wears a lot of denim, has a drill. Mm. I did see that once described as a Canadian tuxedo, which I thought was funny. Sorry, Canadian listeners. Um, <laughs> Sorry, yes. I can, you can also replace that with any number of equally offensive countries yes. to, then, to then basically denigrating a based on its sartorial uh, uh, <laughs> reputation. I, I just wanted to make a point of like some of the shit they have shown at uh, BFI. <laughs> that's the other, that's the other thing. There is an absolutely non problematic uh, portrayal of a homosexual man in this, <laughs> S- se- selling your ass down the down the me- in the men's room. Are you? Yes, yes. Oh, you know there is there is a, there is quite a one. There's sort of a bit sequence where someone says the, the earnest young actress. Uh, what are you reading? I'm reading I'm reading an act prepares by Konstantin Stanislavski, which I had to read for A level. Um, and <laughs> A level theatre studies, and it's basically saying, "Yeah, it can tell you doesn't tell you how to make any fucking money, though, does he?" And I was like, "Well, no, but he tells you how to be. A, he tells you how to be a good actor. You have to do. You have to take some personal you responsibility." You skip that part, clearly. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I mean, in, in fairness, uh, the uh, the actress who plays Sybil, who is the pregnant dancer, who even after the killer is at large, is still wandering around in sort of very small pants and. and stockings and, and hold-ups um, yeah, yeah, yeah and hold-ups yeah um yeah joanne smith i think only did a couple of films and that's probably for the best because oh boy well she's bad. the one that she's the one um, that gets ineffect ineffectually ripped in half yes she is the the problematic uh, gay performance that uh, that you mentioned that's um giovanni giovanni lombardo Ridici, who's probably actually one of the more recognizable people in this because he's in a lot of uh italian genre stuff around he's he has like a uh, i guess a triumvirate of of completely you know infamous video nasties because he's in Fulci's uh city of the dead uh one of the cannibal ones i think it's cannibal ferox 
and um, House on the Edge of the Park, which obviously again was like a, you know yeah. another several films in a row rejected out of hand by the BBFC, which is quite a, quite an achievement. Not because anything he did. <laughs> no, no, sure, but I suppose they they would have been around before the BBFC was even was even was even certifying um, videos, wasn't they? Mm. Or do you, or this oh, no, some... this is this is early, you know, this is early 80s. So, yeah, that was definitely, you know, the the, the stuff that started the moral panic, basically, is in a significant it's in number. Quite, of... it's, it's in quite a lot of that. I've not seen yeah. Cannibal. I've seen Cannibal Holocaust, which is, right. I never, ever want to watch that again. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, in parts, it is an incredibly effective film. Mm. Um, but my God, uh, Cannibal Ferox is, is what's I've not seen. I'm not, I think I've seen clips of it when I've watched films on video nasties. <laughs> but yes, it's uh, it's quite and and clearly uh, Suabi liked him because he's he's in both the church and the sect. Oh, okay, um, right. I don't think no, I don't think he's in Delamotte de More. Um, although Mickey Knox, who plays the the older det- uh, cop in this, is is the uh, chief of police in Delamotte de More, so he's been promoted. Oh, good. It's good to know someone finished this this well. I like at the end when we have the sort of usually there's a you know the, at the denouement there's will the killer get back up uh, and somehow you know Halloween most famously it's seemingly indestructible. Mm. Uh, doesn't matter how many bullets, but at least you know Donald Pleasance only puts bullets into into um, uh, Michael Myers's chest. Here the the janitor character. Who turns up at the end and basically then just when suddenly the the killer's back, even though he's been set fire to. And the first time you only see him without 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 the the the, the owl mask on, that he's burnt and he's mm. fallen away and he's a bit injured as you as you would be stabbed in the, the eye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he gets shot. And then um, whether deliberately because of the camera script or whether because of how how the the actor in question rehearsed it, the janitor guy makes a lot of point of saying, "I got him right between the eyes." Yes. Um, which makes me he stresses that he's been he's been shot directly in the brain. So <laughs> when he wakes up after the, 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 in, the, in the last shot, I'm like, wow, he's he's tough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it has less effect because he's just been shot in the head. It says, no, you're not alive. Also, he might just be blinking for the camera. One of the fucking victims has done it. <laughs> <laughs> Are we sh- is he still alive? No, I don't know. It could just be the act of fucking corpsing. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Seriously, if you've not noticed it, there's a cutty shot of the three guys on the sofa, and because there's loads of fucking feathers flying around, like one of them unwisely is well, maybe not unwisely. Maybe who it's necessarily his fault. He's been told keep your eyes open to look to look more scarily dead, but then. <laughs> Feather flies past him and he blinks. <laughs> do the take again. No, that'll do. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, the, 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 the actor playing the killer might have just sort of just opened blinks. his eyes to be like, is, that, is, is it over? Are we still shooting? Wait till I say cut. It's cut. in the movie. Um, in, that, 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 that'll do. Well, yes, it was. Um, it's a possibly. I mean, I've I've, I've very much enjoyed our, our our journey from the from the fifties to 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 the to the mid to the mid to the mid eighties. It's probably a slightly. Uh, when I'm ending, considering we've just because we've only two films ago where we were at Deep Red, mm. and we were we were in sort of masterclass of 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 of, of horror. Uh, in, in regardless of, of genre, that's just you know you don't have to like Jalo just to watch mm. Deep Red. I, I watched Deep Red for I really know what Jalo was in any mm. in any meaningful sense and thought it was. 
superb. But that brings us to a close of our of our first season. So indeed, where do we go from here, Dave? Well, uh, we could carry on through the eighties, which you would probably not thank me for, uh, or we could go back to the beginning and do it all again. Uh, with with different films, yeah. with different films, films. indeed, um, and maybe look at some of the interesting kind of offshoots, or you know, because we haven't really looked at where Jallo crosses crosses over with Gothic that much. Um, you know, some of the uh, the ones that kind of lean more heavily into um, exploitation and some of the supernatural horrors. Um, I also, now that you've kind of had this jello grounding um mm-hmm. i would be curious to to delve into some uh international films that have a bit of a jello flavor that have been influenced by jello yes okay. or have a lot of a jello flavor if you're talking about <laughs> brian de palma um <laughs> right yes okay yeah uh, see where so and and you know touch base with some of the things that kind of influence the jello um, yes, we're finally going to fucking do blow up. Um, oh, so God, yeah. yeah, I think all of those. <laughs> uh, I think all of those things will be uh, will be uh, an interesting uh, second setting for the jelly. So that will be coming uh, soon. I mean, how 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 have you? Uh, what are your kind of? What are your thoughts on having done this initial run? Do you have any kind of? Uh... I certainly, I certainly see how how Jally's, the Jally has films have have developed. Uh, this mm. felt this felt a bit of a jump, but only as we were talking through it, it's it's sort of like Jally trying. It's people who are mostly Jally trying to do something, trying to sort of do something more um, standard, standardly sort of Americanized in in horror mm. from what has become. But I was very interested to see how in my view it came out of a lot of it came out of um noir now mm. i might have expected to come out of gothic and that's possibly down to your choices and maybe i'll i'll alter my opinion from 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 our next but very much interested to see sort of the noir uh, element uh, very much to see um sort of both in rural which i wasn't expecting as as much and in urban which i was settings mm. um uh, the sort of vis- the the eye that the the film has the very the very the, the, the very strong visuals not just in terms of uh, um, you know um, the killer or the the set pieces but actually in terms of the cinematography of the setting of of how sort of picturesque of how place you know how you sort of fill a screen with you know even with you know apartments or I think mm. it's sort of the end of um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Uh, and you've got that sort of apartment, the apartment block. There's a there's a real sense of place, mm. which I be that urban or be that rural that I that I probably had that I probably hadn't 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 appreciated. Um, I found easier that I found it easier as we went along to get to, to sort of make peace with the music because as, as I said before, it's coming it's coming from somewhere different culturally, and you're mm. you're playing in in their background. Uh, that's that you know, so it's something it behoves you to to learn what's being done here um uh yeah found some very interesting techniques from from from, from people like barva um from the films i wasn't as familiar with like uh, and that's that's generally most of them but uh the possessed uh deep red also is great but i, I knew i knew i knew that was as well uh the possessed mm. uh, so, sorry the possession and um <laughs> don't torture a duckling uh are, the, are, are <laughs> films certainly that i could that I that I could watch um, again and again, and I expected 
uh, not to like uh, Blood and Black Lace as much as I did. Mm. Uh, I expected to find that a bit too problematic, but it was it was more intelligent than that. Mm. Um, and it's again again with the visuals and the sense of place and the you know in, in different ways in different styles that could be you know. Uh, an Agatha Christie setting. We're setting it in a beauty part. We're setting it as sort of a dressmakers. We, mm. We're using the visuals of that to, to raise expectations. It's a very different beast, but it's not so different as it, as you might expect. And as we went through this, um, you start to, as I, I think you alluded to earlier, and I think I will continue to, to do this, uh, you start to pick up where people who you may be more familiar with in more modern times in horror have, have um, possibly seen and enjoyed certain scenes that you're watching mm. so yes it's been a lovely journey and uh, i look forward to the next one if we're not we were um virgil and uh, uh dante through the underworld now i feel it's maybe a bit more thelma and louise <laughs> <laughs> which one am i it i don't i can't remember which one's <laughs> I'm not being reason. Susan Sarandon. Okay, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll be Susan Sarandon. I'm Gina no, you, Davis. Don't you, no, wait, you have to. The married one is Gina Davis, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got that for ages. I think I have to be. I think I think you have to be Susan Sarandon. I think <sighs> you have to be, have to be the more senior of the, of the two. <laughs> I, I get to have sex with Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, and on that bombshell, <laughs> it's marvelous. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> that does it for season one of Due Signori in Giallo. Thank you so much for listening along. We hope you've been interested, informed and entertained. We'll be taking a short break to clean the blood off our razors and get some new black leather gloves. But we will return for more murder and mayhem in season two. Please join us then.